Well, I know I told you that today would be Constitution Thursday on a Friday, but I just didn't have time to get to it. Constitution Thursday requires a a lot of preparation. And this week has been, despite my best intentions and my best attempts, I keep getting distracted by things, and they're good things, don't get me wrong, but at the end of the day, it cuts into that time. A half-hour Constitution Thursday requires somewhere between six and seven hours of prep time, and didn't get it done. Sorry. So, I turned to other things in the news and other things that matter to me, events that matter to me, my thoughts about those events and how they affect my life, as you see there at the bottom of the screen. I love the Navy, don't get me wrong. The two biggest regrets in my life are that I didn't marry Cammie earlier in my life and that I got out of the Navy. The the truth of the matter is, is that I owe the, de- the Navy a debt of gratitude that I can never really repay, but I try. That doesn't mean the Navy is above criticism from me, but as a general rule of thumb, I love the Navy. That said, the news this week has been harsh. I mean, for those of us that served back in the 1980s, and I did. There is an eerie overring, overtone of concern about what's happening. Those of you who may have missed it, the USS Bunholm Richard, which, by the way, let me completely tack away from this for just a second. I have always been fascinated by this class of ships. The, uh, the LHAs, LHDs, LHAs, sorry. They are beautiful ships. And I don't, it's for me, for a guy that grew up on the tales of World War II, these are the ships that are the closest thing to a World War II size and capable aircraft carrier that we have. The only drawback to them that I see is that they are a, a tad bit slow. They are all in the process of being modified, the older ones including the Bonham Richard, were in the process of being modified so that they could carry the F-35 fighter. The new class, the America class, already can. When, when, of course, the fire hit a few weeks ago and essentially has destroyed the Bonham Richard. One of the things I talked about with some friends offline, I, this is the kind of thing I would never have speculated on publicly that day, was this fire... There were some things about this fire that bothered me from the word go. Um, look, I'm, I realize that I got out of the Navy more than 30 years ago, but some things don't change. I went to firefighting school. I went to damage control school. I was a qualified submariner, so I know a little bit about this stuff. And I know that on a surface ship, a fire is different than it is on a submarine, but it's still the scariest thing that can happen to a ship, Period. As we watched what happened with the Bonham Richard, I was speaking with some Navy friends about it, and we all were not willing to really 
verbalize it, but we all sort of understood that there was something about this fire that was off. Fires on ships don't start like this one did. They don't spread like this one did. They can, but there's usually some extraordinary circumstances and some reasonings for that happening. And in the process of that, those are known factors. Very rarely does something like this happen on accident. And that's what we have learned this week is that the United States Navy is investigating, has a suspect, according to some sources, of someone who started that fire aboard USS Bonhomme Richard back on July 13th. This is, <coughs> excuse me, this is disturbing on a lot of levels. It's frustrating on a lot of levels. It's concerning on a lot of levels. It's problematic. I have friends who immediately went to the foreign influence discussion. Well, what if they, uh, Iran is claiming credit for it. What if it was Iran paying off a sailor to do this? And that's certainly a possibility. But as I so often say, I like to deal in probabilities, not possibilities. And I have been around sailors enough in my life to know that something has changed in our world. Time was when I was in, if a sailor didn't want to go to sea, and remember Bonhomme Richard was getting ready to wrap up her yard period and start workups to go back to sea. If a sailor didn't want to go to sea in in my day, you know what he did? Especially on a submarine. (laughs) He just went to the weapons officer or department head, division officer, whatever he was in, and either said one of three things. I'm gay, I smoke dope, or I'm, I'm uh, mentally, there's something mentally wrong with me. And two of those three would automatically get you booted off and you wouldn't go to sea on the submarine. One would get you uh, a couple of interviews <laughs> and they would determine whether or not you were mentally impaired in some way, or if you were just saying you were. And nine times out of 10, it's kind of the catch 22 rule. You remember the book catch 22, you have to be crazy not to want to fly missions, but if you don't want to fly missions, that proves you're not crazy. So you got to go fly missions, even though you don't want to same kind of thing here. The, the fastest one was the drug one that would always get you. The problem with that is usually you had to follow with a drug test. So if you just said you did it and then were negative on the drug test, you're just pissing people off. But if you pop positive on the drug test, well, we can't have you on the boat. Can't have can't go to sea with that. It's too dangerous. When you're on a ship, especially a submarine, but any ship, my life depends on the guy next to me as much as his life depends on me. And we can't have people that are impaired in any way, shape, or form, compromised in any way, shape, or form. The whole getting out because you were gay thing was stupid. Believe me. And I say this with a a good deal of understanding that I didn't have in those days, perhaps. 
I was a bit naive. I was a very young man. Believe me, I was very young and came from a very sheltered lifestyle in Utah. We had gay guys on the boat. And I say this as, as firmly as I can. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. Nobody, nobody concerned themselves with it in any way, shape, or form. Because they were just as capable of saving my life as I was of theirs. Nobody cared. So if you said to the weapons officer, I'm gay and I want to get out, it was because of something you didn't want to, you didn't want to be there. It wasn't, because you'd, it wasn't because you were gay. It was because you didn't want to be a good sailor. And so people would get out for that reason. True story. That was the first question I ever got asked when I was on the boat. I was wandering around. Carl was introducing me to everybody and introduced me to Chief Long. That was his first question to me. I could still hear it in my head. Bowman, are you gay? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. I mean, I was 18, 19. Well, I guess I was 21. No, I guess I was 20 at that point. <laughs> no, I'm not gay. But what does that have to do with anything? The drug thing was a little more serious because that was far more common. Not like it is today where marijuana is, you know, a dime a dozen on the street. You can get it, walk outside and get some. You can probably go in your backyard and pick some if you want. In those days, it wasn't quite as easy. So if you went to all the effort to do drugs, you probably didn't want to go to sea. But here's the thing. There are always sailors who don't want to go on deployment. Always. I don't care what unit, what ship, what squadron. doesn't matter. And there are people who will take actions to make it so that they don't have to go to sea. In the past, those actions have always been directed at myself. I will somehow damage myself so that I cannot go to sea. But what may have happened here, and of course this is speculation, we don't know. But my gut instinct, just like it was on July 13th, was that fire is not right. That is not a fire of a locker that had some oily rags in it that got too hot, sparked somewhere. This is, this is something else. There, there's something going on here that either the Navy isn't talking about or just isn't known yet. And you try to be positive about it and you try to be, try to be excited about it. But these ships, like I said, they're beautiful ships. I, 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 I don't know how else to say it. I like this class of ships. Yes, I was a submariner, but these ships are just beautiful to me. They really are, and they're so capable, and they're so impressive in what they can do. And to see that thing just utterly destroyed, I mean, just gutted, it's heart-wrenching. It really is. And especially to know that she was so close to going back out. She was back, ready to get back into the service. It's talking to friend of mine, Alex, yesterday about it. And, you know, it's like, I, I can't even imagine what it would feel like right now to be the CEO of that ship. To be thinking that my beautiful command that I worked my whole life for is, is gone because of a disgruntled sailor, possibly. And I only say possibly because we don't, you know, there's no charges yet. But we do know that agents from the NCIS 
ATF are questioning a sailor who was aboard the ship that day, which means that if this is making news, um, there's probably something to it. And it's just, it's just heartbreaking. It really is. It's to me, a ship is a living entity. This, this isn't just a fire. This is a, this is a murder. If in fact it is that this is a ship that has carried thousands of people all around the world. This is a ship that just like my ship, men knew intimately. And I don't mean physically, but I mean, you understand what I mean? They, they knew every inch of it and they took care of it. And they understood its little idiosyncrasies and little things on it that despite the fact that it's a class of ships, every little one is different. It's like every car is just slightly different. And you got to know just what to do with this car to get it to do what you wanted to do. It's the same thing with ships. You got to know just how much water to pump from, from trim tanks to, to sea to get it to balance just right. How to get it to how to get it to turn just right. All those little things that people spent years learning, 22 years learning with that ship. It's a beautiful article today in their in the um, UNSI.org calling for the Navy to save the Bon Hamrichard, to rebuild it, to repair it. And their logic to me is interesting. I originally thought that they would not rebuild. I originally thought she'd be a total loss, just, just buy a new America class. And as I suspected, even the UNSI says it would be cheaper to build a new one than to repair the old one, which makes sense. In a, in a world of bean counters, in a world of, you know, we're just counting things. We're not really, we're not thinking about the spirit of things. It makes sense. But they called upon it to rebuild it because we haven't had anything happen like this for a long time. Long time. In the 1980s, when the Iowa had her accident, initially the Navy tried to treat it as a conspiracy theory. And there was a conspiracy theory, by the way. It just wasn't the one the Navy wanted you to believe. The Navy wanted you to believe that it was some heartbroken gay sailor who who blew up a turret to kill 47 men because he was upset that his gay lover didn't, didn't love him back. And the reality of it was that the Iowa was doing things it shouldn't have been doing. They were shooting ammunition that they shouldn't have been using. They were having massive mechanical problems already with the guns and the turrets, and they couldn't figure out how to fix it. And instead of saying to themselves, this isn't safe, they just went ahead and did it anyway and then tried to blame somebody else. And that caused a lot of backlash among sailors in the Navy. (laughs) Let me assure you, it caused a lot. It was going through my mind shortly after October 36, 1986, 31st, 1986, when a senior Navy officer tried to tell me that I didn't see what I actually saw. Look, you can believe whatever you want, but I know what I saw and I know what happened insofar as I'm capable of understanding it. And maybe you know more about it, the, te- the engineering than I do, but don't tell me there wasn't any danger. It caused a lot of distrust and, and concern 
within the Navy about these kinds of things. We really haven't had anything since the 60s when it comes to these aircraft carrier type ships of this nature. We had the Enterprise uh, with its problems with the, the detonation off uh, Vietnam. Yeah, the Oriskany had the same problem. And then, and then of course, the, the grandfather of all these, the USS Forrestal fire. All things that we've learned from through the years, all things that we've studied, we've learned things from, how we do fight fires, how we do things. I can watch the video of them fighting the fire on the Bonhomme Richard, and I know where we learned those things because I've seen the, the training. I've, been, I've watched the films. I know where we learned those things. But not since World War II have we had to rebuild a ship that has been essentially entirely destroyed. And so the UNSI is actually calling for the Navy and Congress to rebuild this because we will learn skills that once again we have long forgotten. Sure, in the modern world it's easier just to throw something away and replace it with something new. Hell, that's what we do in fire control. Oh, this module's gone? This module's bad? Yeah, just replace the module. Don't fix it. That's what technology has led us to. And there's some wisdom to that. And I'm not going to criticize that too much, but there is some validity to the argument that we should rebuild her because we will learn things that we long ago forgot. And just like the USS Franklin during World War II, the, the most heavily damaged ship to survive, we rebuilt her. We rebuilt her just like the $6 million man. Better faster, stronger. And then you know what we did with her after we rebuilt her? We tied her up to the pier and mothballed her because we didn't need her. And maybe that's the case with the Bonhomme Richard. Maybe we won't need her. But at least she'll pass into history with some dignity instead of at the hands of a disgruntled sailor who decided that what he wanted was more important than protecting our nation. Long live the Bonhomme Richard. She's not yet begun to fight. <laughs>